Welcome, ladies, to the Real Estate Investor Show, providing inspiration, strategies, and insight to empower women investors to live balanced and financially free lives. Now, here are your co-hosts, Liz and Andressa. So in today's episode, we have Amanda Cruz. We talk a lot about mobile home investing. And what I really love most about her story is we get deep and we get deep around what's working, what's not, and how to grow a business in an authentic way with her spouse and while having two little ones and really transitioning from single family to mobile home park. So we go through so many different things, but her transparency and vulnerability were really appreciated as we have to have difficult conversations to grow our business. Yeah, she's going to share her journey about living her W-2 and how did that play out in her family and from underwriting her first mobile home deal and having those conversations with your own head, right? How can you get out of analysis paralysis and really take a chance, make a decision? In her case, she bought a, a property for half a million dollar and then in a year and a half, she doubled that. She's going to talk all about what she did in order to improve and get that value. Interest rates are sky high in 2023, and buying a rental property means you could get stuck with an 8, 9, or 10% mortgage rate. But what about a 2.99% rate with Rent to Retirement? Rent to Retirement has 2.99% seller financing available on turnkey properties. You heard that right. That's a seller financed 2.99% interest rate with an average cash flow of over $900 per month. Plus, They've got options where you can put as little as 5% down with no PMI. As the nation's leading turnkey investment company, Rent to Retirement helps investors build headache-free, high-cash-flow rental portfolios. And since their properties are fully turnkey, newly built or renovated, leased and managed, anyone can invest, even those who aren't into landlording. So what are you waiting for? This 2.99% rate deal won't last long. To learn more, visit renttoretirement.com. That's renttoretirement.com or text REI to 33777. Again, text REI to 33777. You're trying to close on your next rental, so why is your insurance company dragging its feet? With long lead times and never-ending paper forms, it's no wonder it takes forever to finally get a policy. Modern investors deserve better. They deserve Steadily.com. At Steadily.com, you'll get fast, affordable landlord insurance available online 24-7 in just a few clicks. You can even get next-day coverage, which takes just minutes, by the way, to obtain. And you can do it all from your phone. Steadily was founded by landlords who created insurance products tailored to the unique needs of this industry. It's their sole focus, and that's why landlords nationwide consistently rate them 4.8 out of 5 stars. So whether you've got a single family, short-term, or multifamily portfolio, Steadily.com can secure the best coverage at the best price to protect your properties. Discover how Steadily can save you both time and money on your rental property insurance. Visit Steadily.com for a commitment-free quote tailored to your needs today. Welcome back, ladies. This is Liz. And this is Andressa. Welcome back to the Real Estate Investor Show, where our mission is to empower women to live a financially free and balanced life. 
We hold that to whatever we are up to. And we have another amazing woman to share with you, Amanda Cruz. Thank you so much for being on our show. Thank you for spending your time with us and sharing your wisdom with our audience, our community. Thank you so much, Liz and Jason. I'm so excited to be here and chat with you. Yeah, absolutely. So as we like to do to kind of kick things off, we'd like to share a quick little tip uh, that's coming up for us that you can bring into your world as a investor, as a mom, as a sister, as a whatever you are, you can bring it into your world. So here's what I got for you. I've been listening to The High Five Habit by Mel Robbins. Love Mel Robbins. Love anything she puts out. I didn't think I even needed to read her books. I'm like, I'm going to give myself a high five, really. But it's been a phenomenal book. I know I've been listening to that for a long time. I'm just probably like, you're still listening to that. But I am. It takes me a while. I'm just totally thinking that. I know you. But anyway, uh, she said something really powerful today. She said, how many of you feel jealous when you scroll through Facebook and you see all these people doing different things? We all have that sense of like in a moment jealousy. I'm like, oh, not me. And then I really start to think about it. I'm like, I get jealous. I'll see someone doing something with their kids or living like this way. And I'm like, I want to be doing that. She's like, turn that around instead of being jealous. Jealousy is a good thing. I'm like, okay, now I got to really keep listening. And she said, jealousy is a good thing because it means you're interested in what they're doing for some reason. So move towards it. Don't move away from it. I was like, that's very powerful. So, you know, I thought about, okay, what about these other people that I feel sometimes jealous about am I interested in? I don't have all the answers yet, but it really created this new context for me about how I could be interested in what these other folks have. I was like, that's powerful. And I got really excited about that because we are literally in the throes of announcing that we have our two-day InvestorCon coming up in June, June 23rd and June 24th in Charlotte, North Carolina. And why I'm tying that into what I just said is that there's going to be 20 sessions on women who have who were also interested in different niches, sharing about investing, you know, in business, self-care. Our keynote is Kim Kiyosaki. Really excited about that. And this is going to be more than a conference, a traditional conference. This is going to be a transformational experience for women. Uh, so really excited about that. And it just got me thinking about how powerful it is to feel interested in something, not jealous, but interested and be around other women who are also interested in the same things, living life on our own terms. So you definitely got to check out our inaugural Investor Con. Learn more about it on our website, therealestateinvestor.com. And uh, don't get jealous, get interested. That's my tip for today. You know, sometimes when we go to those conferences and you have speakers sharing what they are up to, living their lives, and you're like, okay, why should I care? I'm just actually pissed off right now because now I'm comparing yours to mine and things like that. So I love the concept that you just said, because if I get triggered, if I was like, okay, you're just showing off that you spend how many weeks on vacation while your company was running by itself? What? If we get triggered, let's look into it, right? And I think that we handpicked a lot of the speakers there that you're going to get triggered because they're really living life on their own terms. But if we look at it as a possibility for us to also embrace that and like, teach me how, tell me how did you do it and live life on our own terms now? Because we don't want to just create that for the next generation. How does that look for us now? I want an Alice. Give me. <laughs> love it. I love it. Uh, so Amanda, thank you so much for, for being on our show. And, you know, I'd like to kind of kick things off with you and asking you what moved you to start investing in real estate? Yeah. So probably like a lot of people, I started in the W2 world 
I was climbing the ladder. I loved my job. I didn't really think at all about owning my own business or investing. And one day, it really just kind of hit me. The person who had the job two promotions ahead of me couldn't take a vacation without being tied to their email. And I didn't want that. And I was like, okay, for the first time, I thought, hey, maybe there is something different for me out there than working for somebody else. I would really like to create my own thing. So uh, right after um, having my first baby and coming back from maternity leave, I decided to create a business. I started a business. I spent a year doing that. It wasn't anything to do with real estate. And after spending nights and weekends and so much time doing that, it totally failed. And at that point, I needed to pivot. I'd kind of been interested in real estate before and thought, hey, this makes sense. Let's do it. And so we jumped in and bought our first duplex. And that's how we first got into real estate. Tell me about that first duplex, right? Because I always say the first one is the quote unquote, the hardest one because you're breaking the ceiling. Nobody can ever tell you before, oh, you've never done a deal, right? Well, I've done a deal. So for all the folks that are, they have their, their W-2, they don't necessarily hate it. It's not like that they are despising that and running from it. Tell us how did you find it and how did you finance your first deal? Yeah, so we had a pretty traditional experience as far as finding it. We had an agent we'd been working with who was an investor-friendly agent. And he found us a deal that was a little bit farther away than we had been originally looking at. But it was perfect for us because it needed some work. You know, It didn't need a ton of work, so it was a good first property. But we needed to replace the flooring and repaint it and just do some updating and stuff like that to add some value and get tenants in there. And we bought it with also pretty traditional. I think we had to put 20 or maybe even 25% down because it was a, a duplex non-owner occupied. And so that's just how we got in and um, made it nicer and put tenants in place. And that was a traditional multi. So the yeah, yeah, just a traditional duplex. Got um, we rented to just a mom and a kid on either side. Awesome. And then your journey has brought you into mobile home parks. I know that's what your your focus is in and developing that and growing that business. So so tell us a little about that journey where you were because multifamily is its own entity. Personally, I'm like, I love learning about mobile home parks, but there's a lot of nuances, a lot of nuances that are different or tweaked in a lot of ways to the multifamily space. And then there's some similarities. So tell us a little about Absolutely. that transition for yourself. Yeah. Okay. So we did the duplex, we got tenants in place, and that was going pretty well. So we were like, hey, let's do a burn next. Everybody talks about burn. I'm sure you guys talk about it a lot, but it's just to break it down in really simple terms. You basically buy a property and then fix it up and then you go back and get a mortgage on it. So it's a way to get into a property with really low money out of pocket. So we wanted to do that and we did it and we renovated a house and you know that was fine, but we didn't love managing contractors and um, and the renovation side. What? And That's know, so right? much fun, isn't it? <laughs> That's everybody's favorite part. That's the and so thing. We also wanted to move faster at this point. We knew we wanted to like leave W-2 jobs and doing one or one property at a time really wasn't going to get us there as quickly as we wanted. So we got into individual mobile homes next. And it was where you basically buy a mobile home from somebody who really needs to sell it, just like with any other single family residence. And then we turned around and sold them to families who were going to live there. They were making it their home. 
it's really hard to get financing on an individual pre-owned mobile home for those families. So we were the bank. We financed it for them and they pay us over time. We still get these payments, these mortgage payments to us. And those are at 18% interest. And we're giving somebody a home they would never be able to qualify for. It was such a win-win. We loved that space and we wanted to go further into it. So that's why we decided on mobile home parks and sort of never looked back. And now we have 80 lots across three parks, um, all in Western North Carolina. All right. So it sounds like, okay, one day you had this small duplex and then next day you had like 80 across, <laughs> across the, you know, different areas. Walk us through, not just like the, the tactics of scaling, like the mental hurdles. What did you guys have to do in order to put in place the right things and move. The goal was to quit the W-2 and replace their income. What are the first steps that you did in order to scale? Honestly, I think the first thing is a mental change, right? A lot of times, and we were guilty pill? of this. Is there a pill, Amanda, that we can just like swallow the pill? <laughs> just like <laughs> <Right>? overnight. <laughs> you tell me great. when you create that. <laughs> oh, I was going to say the same thing, Amanda. <laughs> when you create it, ship it to us and we distribute to the community. That's right. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely a mental thing first, right? If And to be fair, if I would go back to 2018 when we were buying our first duplex, I did not think we would own 80 mobile home lots. I thought you know, commercial real estate was for those other rich people, definitely not something I could ever get into. And, and so it was a bit of a stepping, right? We did the mobile homes first and then one park. So it, it definitely wasn't, hey, we're going to go buy 80 lots tomorrow. But one thing we like to do is think, okay, what could we do if success were guaranteed? What would be exciting, right? Because it's, it's easier for me and for a lot of people to think, Okay, well, I have one duplex now. Next year, I can probably buy two more. Well, what if success were guaranteed and I could buy 20 next year? Would I want to? Heck yeah, I probably would want to, but oh, I can't do that. I, I probably don't know how to get the financing and it's terrifying and how would I manage it, right? So just thinking, hey, what would I want to do if success were guaranteed and making that the goal because it makes your mind think differently, right? There's a different strategy to getting two properties next year than there is to getting 20 doors next year. And so really allowing yourself to make that mental shift of, okay, I have no idea how I'm going to accomplish this and that's okay. What can I do today that gets me in that direction, right? Do I need to find a lender who I can work with? Do I need to find a partner? What can I do to get me moving in that direction and not being afraid to fail? I mean, I failed, right? I created an entire business that failed and, um, But that's a big, there's a lot of learning in failure and it's okay to fail and still learn and move on and be successful in the end. So you asked yourself that question. I love that question, by the way. What can I do to guarantee success or how paraphrasing in this area? So you must have answered that question that you wanted to go bigger, right? What were those strategies that you did or those initial steps you took? Because we always talk about micro actions, right? And it's just like taking one action. And I know for all of us, right? Whatever we're working on, it's like, just take one step one step, one action. You don't have to do it all. So what were those initial handful of actions that when you look back, you're like, that really moved the needle and got me here? Yeah. When we decided to do mobile home parks, right? We needed to educate ourselves. So that was a big piece, right? Just making sure we felt confident. And then also starting to talk to sellers, right? 
I can't buy a park if I don't have somebody willing to sell me a park. Mm-hmm. So we started looking on, you know, on websites, which as you guys know, that may not be the best place to look for properties that are out there. So we knew we wanted to go directly to sellers, just like we you know, did when we found our bird deal. And so we just started cataloging the mobile home parks in the area. My husband would literally drive at that time around and look for mobile home parks and just started reaching out, trying to call people and start talking to potential sellers. And that was the biggest thing is just starting to get potential deals coming in so that we could even analyze them. I love that because sometimes it gets too much in our head, right? And we are getting ready to get ready and then maybe next month. Right. But I think what you're saying is like, okay, we got the knowledge, but we are also taking action. You're really literally moving your body and go and get it. So you don't have this excuse, oh, the market or so far, whatever it is. And you never know, you never know you meet that will connect you to another person that will finally connect you to the first deal, right? Mobile home, it's not a a niche that I currently invest, but for the women that are listening here and they're interested in knowing more, can you Break it down for me. Why do you invest in mobile home? What are or the the ticking boxes? They're like, oh, that ticks, that ticks. We're like the golden stars that the reasons why you invest in mobile homes. Yeah. So we definitely like being in the affordable housing niche. It one, it feels good to be providing safe, affordable homes. And it's a really growing niche, right? There's a lot of demand for that niche. And we also like the returns that you can get on mobile home parks. They tend to be better than you can get on other commercial assets and and on both single family homes. So that was definitely one for us. And we wanted to be able to scale that return faster. And it's easier with a one property that has 50 lots to go and buy that at one time than to buy 50 individual properties, right? You do the due diligence one time, you do the underwriting one time, you're closing with the lender one time and getting more cash flow. And so for us, you know, scaling up to those commercial deals and then finding that right pitch just makes sense. So you, you had your first, you were kind of being the bank to that one homeowner with the, with the home mobile home park. Then you and your husband started to get educated, take action and start talking to sellers. What was your first acquisition from a mobile home per- perspective after that initial one? What was your, what was the lots? What was that first deal that you did? We bought, yeah, we bought a 50 lot mobile home park in Western North Carolina. Okay. And we, yeah, we bought it for $590,000 at the beginning of 2020. So we closed in a First week of April, 2020, right? Everybody's in lockdown. We're panicking. I underwrote that deal over and over like 50 times because I was like, oh my God, are people really going to pay us? Everyone's losing their jobs. Like it's the worst time to make a big leap into a 50 lot park. I mean, we'd only had like two single family homes before that, but we had a solid business plan. We knew it made sense. And we went in and executed that plan. And 18 months later, that park was worth a million dollars. And we did a cash out refinance on it and got over 100% of what we put into it back out. So now it's getting infinite returns. I love okay. that. Let's bring no, that we gotta down. No, we got to break this down. Yeah, we got to break <laughs> this down. Let's get specific here. Girlfriend, this is important. <laughs> All right. So it, it, you bought it at 590. Was it two years or one year? And then you it was worth a million? A year and a half. Year and a half. Okay, gotcha. Okay, so you said something very magical that most people don't realize how important this is. You created a business plan. You underwrote it to that business plan. 
And then you executed the business plan. I'm just saying that very a little bit, you know, with a little bit of funniness in there because that's what it takes to skip, like to really get into larger commercial multi, especially in our world of multifamily, right? People are like, well, how do you know what, how many units and how much? Because you're creating a business plan and you've underwritten it to that business plan and now you're executing the business plan. It's just as simple as that. So walk us through what was in that business plan. I think we're all kind of curious the, the value add that you can do on that type of project. So you close, it's worth 590. What were some of those important pieces in your business plan? So making sure rents are at market value in any property, right? Single family or multifamily, you want to make sure your rents are at market value. So that was one item. You can also do utility billbacks with mobile home parks, which is one thing we really like about it. So the water costs in a lot of mom and pop run mobile home parks are just absorbed by the park. They're just paying that expense. So on this park, submeters were already installed. The owner just wasn't leveraging them correctly. She was sort of assessing fees as she felt like for too much water usage, whatever she deemed that might be on a given month, which by the way, is not even legal in North Carolina. It was was just (laughs) sitting there that you not idealized. That's right. And so we started, you know, filling tenants for the correct water usage that they had. We made the park nicer. We always bring in dumpsters and allow tenants to throw whatever they want in them to begin with. So we can clean up the park one time and start on a fresh start before you start, you know, if somebody has trash in That's their front yard smart. before you give them a notice. That's let's very get the park smart. nicer first. <laughs> That's you. smart because the dumpster is going to cost less than all the visual and everything else. Right. Nice. And then they feel better, right? They, they want to start on a good note, putting up signage. We create, we had a new sign put in um, and, you know, just those sort of more simple, basic things and really shot up the value of the park. Amanda, where did you get the confidence? Because that's what women are asking right now. Okay, you on the road for 50 times and you had those criteria there, but there is this little thing called voice in our head that sometimes, you know, say, oh, no, 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 don't get out of your comfort zone. How about yeah. if you're not that experienced, you're not that whatever, yes. whatever you are not that. How did you overcome that voice in your head? Andre, so that's such a good question. I wish it were like so simple as one thing, but I will say, I'm not afraid of failure. The other thing that I like to do when, because I was struggling with this, right? Should we buy this park? Should we not? Are we making a bad decision? Are we going to totally mess up our finances? Yada, yada, yada. I like to play the game of what is the worst thing that can happen, right? So what was the worst thing that can happen there? Half of the tenants don't pay us, right? Okay, fine. We can still make our mortgage payment. I'm about to live, leave my W-2 job to do investing full-time. What is the worst thing? That one has been really big in my head. Like, oh my God, what am I doing? Can I really do this, right? Um, just playing that game of what is the worst thing that can happen? And a lot of times the worst case scenario is really not that bad. For instance, with leaving my W-2 job, the worst case scenario is, well, we go through all of our savings and we can't make any money as investors and I have to get another W-2 job okay, well, that's kind of where I am now. So like things right. aren't that bad as you may seem in your head. Um, so that might be helpful to some people to kind of play that game with themselves. Yeah, it's a fun game until you start getting dark. I've done that with my husband sometimes. <laughs> we're like, okay, all right, had enough, had enough. Had enough. Listen, <laughs> I think we're good. Listen, what do you call that? It could be worse. It could be worse. Is that the, it could be a worse game that you play yes. with me? So just very quick, hold your thought, Liz, write that okay, down. Okay, I, I wrote it down. I wrote it down. Because I need to tell everybody this story. Liz and I, we went to Philadelphia in a conference 
and we had to walk back to my house and it started raining. And I think I have one small freaking umbrella in my, my bag, I guess. Do you remember that? I do. And then we started getting slammed by water. And Liz says, let's play the, it could be worse game. I was like, what are you talking about, Liz? So her and I started playing in the rain. It could be worse. So every time that said, she said, okay, I'm going to start. It could be worse. We could be wearing white pants right now. And then I started laughing. And then I started saying, the worst of the worst things ever. And then remember that they moved my car. I thought my car yes. was stolen. Yeah. I was like, it could be worse, Liz. It could be worse. <laughs> and we went to this, but it was so fun because the rain itself became nothing because all the worst scenarios that we thought inside our, our head was so bad, but it's so laughable that I remember that very much, Liz. We should plan play that another time. I really love the game. Yeah. It could be worse. Oh my gosh. That was that was fun. That was like made a bad situation enjoyable, right? <laughs> All right. I wrote down I wrote down what I wanted to speak to, Amanda, with what you were saying. I think this is really important, especially in times that we are with um underwriting properties. And and you know, everything that's happening in the economy, you know global economy, a local economy, what have you, is the power of conservatively underwriting. And to know your number, this wasn't something I think I even knew until we got into larger multifamily, but I wish I knew even in small multi or even, you know, smaller projects is to know your occupancy rate, like worst case scenario, what occupancy rate do you need to pay your bills, to pay your nut? really powerful. And I know, you know, the, the lower it is, the better position you're in. I mean, if it's 95%, that's, that's <laughs> scary, right? So again, something you learn as you get into larger commercial, something really been great to know when we are starting in the large commercial, me, me and my husband. And 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 it shows the, the um, strength of a property. I know for one of our properties that we are, you know, purchasing 670 unit uh, portfolio project, it's 55% or something ridiculously low, which again, there's a lot built in to that business plan. So just a quick little tip for those even passive investors listening, ask that operator that question because they know the answer. If they're a good operator, they know the answer. If they don't know the answer, I would run very fast from working with them because then it shows they're, they're conservatively underwriting and it shows that they know that, you know, they know the break even, you know, and I have asked that to people and they don't know that which is kind of scary in, in larger commercial. But anyway, that's just a quick tip there I wanted to mention. Second thing I wanted to speak to you about, and we've heard in the mobile home park world, is the power of like running it as a business. And obviously we want to run everything like a business, but really with this particular niche too, there, there is a lot of like self-storage facilities, right? There, there's a lot of like business aspects of it. So in terms of managing, the managing side, right? Which is always the fun side. It's where we sometimes make or it makes it makes us or breaks us. Where do you fall in all of that in terms of like your team, you know, and, and what does that look like? So you are not the only one doing everything. Yeah. So my husband and I split duties. So he does the asset management and the acquisition side, and I do the underwriting and I talk with investors and stuff like that. And so within the asset management side, we have managers who do the day-to-day at the parks and then he manages the manager. So that's how we have it set up. 
And honestly, in mobile home parks, there's a whole spectrum, right? If it's a small park and you want all the cash flow, just like with a single family home, you can go in and manage it yourself and collect the rents and whatnot. Or if it's a, a very a larger park or you just want to be more passive, you can get a manager in place who can do the day-to-day and then you can check in with them. We even have our managers drive through the park on a weekly basis because we live three hours from our park. And that way, Jonathan can see what's going on at the park on a weekly basis without having to be there. I love that. In terms of your working relationship with your husband, the roles, right, that you guys play, was that a conscious decision or it's it's just like, okay, just let's put up fire here. How did you guys decided which person was going to be responsible for what? Yeah, that's a great question. All right. So if we go back a couple of years when we were doing our second property, our first firm, Jonathan got laid off from his IT job. And I was like, go into real estate full-time. We know we're going to do this eventually. Let's get us going thinking, oh yeah, he'll have me out of my job in a year. Okay. Yeah. That was in 2019. And so a year and a half after that point, I was getting really anxious and putting a lot of pressure on him. That was like, Hey, you're supposed to be growing this thing. You're supposed to be getting me out of my job. It hasn't grown fast enough. And that honestly put a lot of strain on the two of us that was, it just made us kind of like angry. And so we had a conversation and it had been leading up for a while, but maybe a year ago or so that was like, we were very open, respectful, but vulnerable with each other on how we were both feeling and then making each other feel through the fact that he was on the hook to get me out of my job. Right. Um, and that put too much pressure on him. So at that point, I sort of made a decision myself that it's not in my personality anyways to like let somebody get me out of my job. I just, it's hard enough for me to sit by. That's why I was putting so much pressure on him. So I was like, all right, I'm going to go in this path. I'm going to do the underwriting. I'm going to do the investors. You keep doing your side. And it really helps with just separation of duties. So we're not doing the same thing and sort of like trying to manage each other's stuff, but just having a clear separation of lanes and both growing in that area. Top real estate investors love to talk about how they save so much on taxes. But how are they able to build rental property empires while skirting Uncle Sam? 1031 exchanges. 1031 exchanges allow you to defer capital gains taxes while you sell an investment property, exchanging your old property for a bigger, better one and avoiding the tax man while you do it. And that's where First American Exchange Company comes in. They're the leaders in 1031 exchanges. Whether you're a seasoned investor or just starting, First American Exchange can help you with simple rental property exchanges, complex commercial real estate investments, reverse exchanges, and more. Don't let your taxes eat into your profits. Visit First American Exchange Company at firstexchange.com or call them at 800-556-2520. That's firstexchange.com or 800-556-2520. Keep your money in your pocket and propel your portfolio further at firstexchange.com. First American Exchange Company does not provide tax or legal advice. Consult your financial, real estate, tax, or legal advisor about your circumstances. First American Exchange Company. Safe, smart, secure. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Wow, so important. I feel like I have those conversations with my husband all the time. It's so important to have those, but having vulnerable conversations is not easy. Right. Because in order to have vulnerable, real vulnerable conversations, you have to take responsibility for what you are or not doing. What part do you have in this, if you will, especially in a partnership like that? You know, so I'm curious. You know, so many of the women we talk to, this is a big one for them, having those honest conversations, having those vulnerable conversations. We think it's so easy with those we're so close to. Not always so, not always so. So for you and your husband, tell us a little bit about what that looks like. I mean, you know, I'm sure you didn't have necessarily like an agenda and you're like, okay, this is the exact way you should do it. Basis, your personality, his personality. But tell me, tell us a little bit about that conversation and what you committed to doing, what, what really worked in that conversation? Because I think a lot of women struggle with this and, and it's something important we you know need to do. So curious yeah. about that a little bit. Yeah. So, I mean, I will say it was a very hard conversation, right? There's nothing easy about having this sort of tension and going in and, and talking about why. But for both of us, we were very honest because it would be easy to, to make it surface level and just say, well, we're not moving fast enough and blame it on that. But that's not going to get the problem solved. It's just going to kick it down the road. And so for me, I was very open. I was like, this is my passion and watching you do it, but not the way that I would do it is very hard for me. And that was, I did not want to say that, right? I didn't want to tell him that I didn't want to hurt him. And for him, you know, he was very open and saying, you know, the way that I have been having pressure put on me makes me feel like I'm not doing a good enough job being like the man of the family. Like I'm not good enough. And those things are very, very hard to say to each other, but they also really broke down the walls and it moves from a place of anger. Like he's mad at me for putting too much pressure on him or I'm mad at him for not moving forward to a place of empathy. It's like, I understand why you feel that way. And I've been making you feel that way. And I see that. And here's how we can change moving forward. We are on our book club of the month that we are reading Daring Greatly by Brene Brown. And there's a chapter on that book that she talks about shame and how men experience shame and vulnerability. And that's exactly what you're describing it, right? Um, that they need to fulfill that. What What is the man's role? into that. And it brings me back to this. I saw this commercial from Dunkin' Donuts. It just got released. What is that? That woman that has a long hair is like Rapunzel or something, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? So she is at the That's top a great of- commercial. I know you're talking about it. Just said, just said, I was like laughing. <laughs> so she's at the top of this uh, tower and having a, a coffee. And then his, the guy's like at the bottom saying, I came here to save you. And she's like, no, 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 I'm good. And she started pulling her hair back. She's like, no, I came here to save you. She's like, no, no, I'm good today. Listen, I think we should, you know, just, she started pulling you back, which comes back to what you're saying. It's like, you didn't need it to be quote unquote saved or taking out of it. 
but it, it, I commend you both for really sitting down and having that vulnerable conversation and, and expressing the feeling, right? It's different than like what we are thinking. It's like, no, what, are, what am I feeling right now? And if that's the intention or not, that doesn't really matter. But this is what I'm feeling. I know, I mean, that you didn't have any intention to make him feel that way, shape or form, but that's what he was feeling. And we like, we need to acknowledge people, how they're feeling instead of saying, well, but that's not my intention. Well, that defeats the purpose of the conversation or, oh, okay, I'm sorry you were feeling that way, but come on, what comes back to Liz saying, you're like, I understand what you're feeling. And now let's put up something in place that works for us and for our family. And then you move through it, right? I think that a lot of women in our community, it's funny, the husband started coming through. Sometimes they're in the background. <laughs> Many of them are participating on our uh, live events through them. It's like, wait a minute, my husband has a question. Let, let me ask it. Because they, they also feel that the sense of this community, that the support from one another, but having those conversations to me is really essential to build any type of partnerships. And talking about partnerships, I'm curious to understand your business business plan, if if that's something that you're looking to expand, if you're already doing more things with, with others, but what is your view in, in terms of partnerships? Yeah. So we are looking to grow. We're actually trying to get to 300 lots. And so we'll definitely be partnering with capital raisers, right? Investors who are going to you know come in and get a good return. So that's the biggest piece right now um, is partnering with people who will either become passive investors or bring on passive investors for us. I guess my question is like, how do you know you find a good partner? What are the criterias that you are putting in place? And all, for the ladies that are listening, right? When it, when it comes down to scaling and growth, partnerships one-on-one way, but how do we know that that person is a good partner for us? So I'm curious to know if you have any criteria that you're idealizing nowadays. Yeah. So one of the biggest things is providing something that I don't provide, right? Mm-hmm. I think there's a quote that's like, if if both partners agree on everything, one of them is unnecessary. Yeah, I think it was right? Kim. Like, I think it was Kim Kiyosaki that said that. Oh, did she say that? Yes. And so finding somebody who has a different skill set than I do, right? Like, I know how to underwrite properties. Mm-hmm. So even if it's not me, even if I bring somebody else in underneath me eventually to do that, that's still like a, a skill set that I have. A partner needs to come with more of a sales background, right? Like I don't have, I feel like my skill set is not in sales. So finding a partner who's just a natural salesperson marketing, like that would be good for me and offsetting my lack of strength in that area. Yeah. And have, and then having that like vision when you're talking with people, you're going, we're talking about mindful networking, right? And and being strategic versus just meeting people to meet them, right? Or or what have you. So no, I I, I think that's great. It's going to help you propel, propel you and your and your husband. I'm curious to get a sense of, especially that you and your husband have been through through this and kind of collaborated and, and had a breakdown and have a had a breakthrough. What have your kids seen and what, what have they been involved in? Like what in terms of just what you're up to and how you're doing, you're, you know, working in your business and working on the relationship. I'm curious to get a sense of that from you. I know that's a really important part of a lot of what we all do because we're not doing this just for us. We're doing it to create 
a legacy. We're creating generational wealth. So I'd love to hear what specifically you do around that with with you kiddos. Yeah. So my kids are pretty young. They're four and one. And and so my four-year-old is starting to understand, right? We, We used to go and look through parks and sometimes we'll take her to our parks and she likes to drive through. She thinks that we're looking for a home for her. She's like, I want to live in that one. I'm like, no, it's not for you, right? Somebody else is going to live there. Um, But she understands that we own these properties. I think that's what she really understands at this point. And that we're working on that, you know, sort of together. And, but Outside of that, at, at this point, I don't know that she has any more understanding. Although as she gets older and older, you know, we're starting to get into businesses. So my mom will pay her to do these odd jobs around the house. And I started talking to her one day about, oh, well, what if instead of doing these odd jobs, you could do a business? What if you did like baked something and went and sold it? She's like, oh yeah, doing those jobs does sound too hard. Maybe I need a business. I'm like, okay, we're, maybe we're getting somewhere, you know, like just starting in those small areas. Yeah, no, absolutely. And it is small, right? It's like what they can, what they, they get more than we think they do. They really do. And I, I am like often astounded of like, you know, I drove into an area, I told Jess of this, I drove into an area of a property we used to own uh, in New Jersey. And, and I, and I wanted to shoot a video because, because I was in the area and I'm not usually in the area. So I'm like, that's a great opportunity. I shoot a quick video. My son was in the car. He's eight. So we pull up to the to the area and he said, mom, you're getting out of this car? I'm like, yeah, I'm going to go shoot a video. I literally be five minutes. I'd be five minutes, Zach. I don't know about this area. It doesn't seem very safe. <laughs> Why did you buy property here? I'm like he's like, <laughs> grilling me on my, my acquisition choices. What are your criteria, mom? Yeah, pretty much is what he said. It's like, well, when you get out of the car, lock the door. I don't want to get, yeah, I don't want anyone to get in this car. And it wasn't un, that unsafe of an area for the record, but it was just interesting that he he's an eight year old and picked up on that. So we, we, yeah. we right. We, they know more than we think and they're taking in, they're soaking it all in. All so in. expose them. I think the biggest thing for right now is expanding their minds on what is possible that mommy and daddy own businesses. We own real estate. I didn't have that necessarily growing up, right. That to look up to or to know that I could do that. So to me, that's one of the biggest things for right now. And the ride back home after I picked up Lorenzo, I was like, how was your weekend with dad? He spent the weekend with dad and his grandparents. Uh, he's like, oh, we play, we play uh, cash flow. I was like, oh, you guys play cash flow. That's so cool. I was like, yeah, I'm getting very good at cash flow. I was like, and in my head, I was like, it took me like so many years to even understand what the word cash flow is, what it means. And then you're six years old. Maybe even if you don't even understand, it doesn't matter. That is part of your vocabulary. And I was like, that's cool. Okay, great. Check. <laughs> Let's move forward. Oh my gosh. That's awesome. He's like, what are my depreciating assets? You know, I think <laughs> like, right. That you just wonder about. I love it. Amanda, I love this. And I appreciate you, you know, coming on our show and sharing your wisdom with our community. So where can the ladies listening learn more about you? Yeah. So I have a video on my website of three reasons mobile home parks are better investments than single family homes. So they can check that out at voyageinvesting.com slash free. I also post a ton on investing and mobile home parks on my Instagram. So follow me at investing with Amanda. Awesome. And all this information you guys can find on our show notes. Now we're going to transition to our fabulous three questions. And the first one, Amanda, is what's the most transformational book you ever read? 
So that would be Who, Not How by Dan Sullivan. So I'm launching a course right, in how to invest in mobile home parks. And previously, I would have done everything myself. But after reading that book, I really decided, like, okay, I obviously own the content. Jonathan and I own the content. But putting it over to somebody else to get it in the platform to do what they do so we can move so we can keep moving forward even if we're busy and that was a big book for me for sure and what is the most powerful routine that you do to create a financially free and balanced life every morning i take like 5 10 minutes to just think through what is the most important thing i need to accomplish today and make sure that that is the priority and i try to not check email or other things until i make progress on that one thing And the last question is, which woman, famous or not, has inspired you the most? It's funny that you mentioned Brene Brown's book. So Brene Brown, I would say for me, because of the vulnerability aspect, listening to her talk about vulnerability has really changed my life and just the relationship, not just with my husband, but with everybody and being able to put that guard down and know that that helps you truly connect with other people on a level that you can't otherwise. Amanda, thank you so much for being on our show. Thank you for sharing your wisdom with our community. We really appreciate you being here with us. Thank you so much for having me, Liz and Andresa. Thank you so much, Amanda. If you enjoyed this podcast and want to receive updates on our next interviews, go to our website, therealestateinvestor.com. There, you can subscribe to our show, become part of our investor community, and get updates on upcoming episodes. If you like our show, please share it with other women who would benefit. And don't forget to leave us a rating on iTunes. We'd really appreciate it. And as always, we encourage you to take one action as a result of today's show and put it into motion so you can live both a financially free and balanced life. Thanks for spending time with us. Ciao.